Welcome to the online teaching ministry of Pastor Rob Ginter and Farmdale Baptist Church. For more content, visit us online at farmdalebaptist.com. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 20 is where we are again today. We are camping out, kind of, in Acts chapter 20, verse 25 is where we'll read and go through in just a moment. But let me go ahead and I don't know how to describe this any way better than this, but I'll go ahead and ruin any mistaken ideas that you have about abilities of mine. Uh, when we moved into our house in Frankfurt, the dryer uh, plug didn't fit the dryer. So I, uh, I've seen my dad replace it, seen it re- replaced at other times. So I decided it would be my next step into real manhood, replacing the dryer cord. So I went to Lowe's, and I went and got the, the plug, and I took a picture of the plug in the wall, and was like, this is what I need, and they gave me the cord, and So when I came home, I took the cord out of the plastic and uh, loose, of course, and plugged it into the wall to make sure it fit. And uh, if if you're actually handy, I just kind of wanted to see what that did to some of you all. Like, if you're actually handy, then you know, uh, then you're asking what kind of, of idiot is standing before you. If you're handy, right, in any capacity, you already know that I shouldn't be bragging about that loose cord fitting into the outlet. And if you're not handy, like I'm, I am, then uh, I'll go ahead and tell you that it sparked and smoked and blew all the fuses on that half of the kitchen. And it did that because it fit. So, I mean, it's kind of like I'm bragging. Like, it fit. It really did. Uh, It was plugged in. Problem, it was plugged in but not connected. It's plugged in but not connected. Now, the issue with that, um, and I've learned, right? Y'all are judged. Like, there's so many judgers in this room right now. I am being judged, judged severely and harshly. Like, Okay, I didn't stick my finger in it. Come on, I knew better than that. Or a fork. It was a plug. It's supposed to go in there. Kids don't plug in anything that's not connected, right? Because it's, it's dangerous to be plugged in and not connected. And that, my friends, applies to more than dryer cords. That applies to the church, because there are, we can all plug in and serve and go throughout our day without vital connections that makes, us, it makes it dangerous for us to be plugged in and not connected. One of those obvious ones is to each other, right? We ought to be plugged into the lives, not only to the church as a gathering body, but to the lives of the people around us. That 
is certainly uh, something that we should be not just plugged into but connected. A second thing that we should do is what we see here in this text. Um, in one of the six needs of a faithful Christian that we continue to look at, we're going to look at needs three and four today, and that first one being you need shepherding. You need shepherding. You don't just need a connection to the other people in this room. You need a connection to the shepherding ministries in the church. Now, if you look at the screen there from last week, you need the whole Bible and you need to watch your whole life. But you also need someone else watching your life. That's what we see here in verse 28 and following. You need somebody else watching your life. Second half of it says, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock. So Paul is writing to the Ephesian elder, or talking to the Ephesian elders here, and it shows they're elders, right? As we talked about last week, that they're not old Mormons, but uh, they are the pastors, shepherds, overseers of Ephesus, and there's this pastoral conference that he speaks to, and he called them elders because that's one of the titles in which that they ought to have. It's not shouldn't be your first day, you know, like to be to be a pastor or a, an elder or a shepherd. Like there ought to be some Christian maturity. In First Timothy chapter three, he says that the the overseer should not be a novice, as your King James says, or should should not be um, new, but should have some maturity that they talk about here. So, but the other aspect that we see here is that they, they should be, they're elders who watch a flock. And that means really nothing in our current context because I, I drove all the way here from 10 minutes down the road and I didn't see any sheep that I know of. Because if I did, then you all be judging my driving right now like you are my handiness. You still haven't got over it. I know it. You're like, we're not asking him to touch anything. Tie your shoes, nothing else. But I didn't see any sheep on my way here that I know of. So what's happening here is he is talking about the, the flock as the church and the shepherding aspect from what the elders are supposed to be doing. They're not just supposed to be looking at their own lives, but they're supposed to be looking at the lives taking care of the people in the church body here called the flock. Now, so th those that God has made to be elders in this room, that is what you should do. But what does that mean for the rest of us? As we talked about last week, God's design shows us our need, our need, our need of shepherding. Hebrews 13, 17 is talking to people that aren't pastors, and this is what the book of Hebrews commands. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this is talking about how that we ought to live under being shepherded. And the the assumption here in Hebrews 13, verse 17, is the application I'm making in Acts chapter 20, that you need shepherded. So scripture commands the pastor's elders to watch over the congregation, which means that for the most of us, we're being, you're being watched. In the least creepy way possible. Not in a creepy way, but you're being watched over at a soul, supposed to be at a soul level here. At a level of your soul. Do you see the marriage here between God's design and our needs? You might not. Let me tell you why. I, there's a spectrum of applying this. Uh, on one hand, there are people who are not actually connected to the church body and connected to the pastor. That's a real thing. And when there's a transition between one pastor to another, most of the time those people leave and there's no chance that they're going to, to stay. And that means the church body is not like a body, it's more like an octopus. And, that, like, and have you ever seen an octopus walking its nest? <laughs> Side note. But it's like a head, <laughs> a head with a bunch of legs coming from it and there's no structure and it just slithers along. Slithers along. It's really gross to watch. But that's not what the church is supposed to be like, right? It's not just like everyone connected only to the pastor. Not at all. Not at all. That would make the church not into a body of Christ, but instead that slithery thing. On the other hand, there are people who are disconnected from the pastor and only connected to each other, and they reject any one who comes into their life and tries to say anything at all. That's a real thing too. They're just fine. They don't need shepherding. I would be tempted to be like this person. You know how? how do, you know how I know that? It's because God gave me a wife and half the time I'm trying to convince her that I don't need her help. <laughs> Didn't know it was going to get that real, did you? Some of you gentlemen are like that, which is that God has given you a spouse and you spend like there to be a, a helper fit for him and you spend your time being like, I don't really need that help. I, don't, I'm, I am just fine. Just fine as wine on my own. And then there is the lady in which that God has given you a husband and, and you won't submit to him because you don't need him in his leadership anyway. So what does that design say about your needs? Well, it says that you need them because God gave them. See how that works? God placed them there, so therefore, they are necessary. Necessary. Because they're present. They're present. Their presence shows their necessity. That's 
That's the design there in marriage, right? And also, it is the design in the church. So God gave them shepherds. He gave them apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. He gave them these things because they needed these things. That's what he did. So here we are in this seeing God's provision and his design based on his provision. So, side note, this is why we have church membership, because if the pastors here at Farmdale are, are going to be held accountable here in th Hebrews 13, right, uh, they're watching over your souls as one who will have to give an account. It's just really wonderful that those names are written down somewhere. Right, that there is a there is a list and there is a group and and the 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 deacons aren't overseers and the overseers aren't deacons, but there's shepherding ministries that the deacons participate in. Right, there is there's the shepherding uh, of of you see the widows being served and taken care of. That's happening by the deacons in Acts chapter six. So like there's some shepherding in a way that is done by our. Deacons here, in that regard, they, in a, they assist in the shepherding. And they all have the names on the paper of who they're responsible for. So it's not random. It's not chaos. And there's no question. I didn't set any of that up. That's just how you all have it set up. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. That each one has names and they're separated and on paper. That's why church membership and deacon family ministry like we have it set up here is, is helpful. It's necessary and needed. Why? Because the elder leaders here, right, they're going to have to be given an account for people and they want to be able to count who they're going to have to be given an account for. So that's why church membership is important. So that means that if you stepped in here today, a member of another church, and your name is written down somewhere else, then there is a shepherd somewhere missing a sheep. And you're here. So maybe do that thing that puts you on this list instead of their list. Right? Because we don't want to have to get make it harder on them than it has to be anyway. I'm a little sympathetic for these elders here, or the shepherds. Because there's a divine scrutiny already placed on their life. Already. James chapter 3 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So while the strict judgment on those who shepherd the flock, notice the verse, next phrase in verse 28. It says, pay, pay, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which, here's why, here's why, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Holy Spirit has done this. So if God has, if you have been placed in or you know that the Holy Spirit has made you an elder, you need to be doing that thing. 
because you're not likely to be to just sign up for it and want to do it and all the abuse and scrutiny that it entails unless the holy spirit is doing something in you now there are those that go ahead their daddy called mommy sent as as it's as it's been said right i'm not saying that that doesn't happen But what we see here in this verse is that the Holy Spirit does this. So unless the Holy Spirit's calling someone to be a pastor, they shouldn't be a pastor. They shouldn't be an elder. They shouldn't do it. Not at all. There's no such thing as making up your mind that you just want to do it. Like it, it just is not a career path that I was like, this, this seems like a, a lucrative uh, business venture that I could get involved in. You work two hours a week. I'd have to figure out how to golf to do this. No, no, that's not really how it happens. I had dinner with somebody a couple weeks ago, and I invited them here to church in Frankfurt. And, and, and I was caught off guard because they didn't ask me anything about you all. They didn't ask me about what we do here. They didn't ask me anything about our church. They asked me one question. How did you know you were supposed to pastor. How'd you know? That's what they asked me about coming here. Like, so how do you know, before I, before I come, like, how do you know you're supposed to do this? Wow. Didn't see that coming, right? Like, so what, what are the children's programs like? You know, or what, what is the, <laughs> what's this like at the church? No, none of that. Just how do you know? How do you know? Well, the answer to that question is, is that I believe the Lord has called me to do this and to do anything other than this would be to waste my life. This is the one singular way that my life is to be poured out and spent. And I have firm conviction in which the Lord has grabbed me very tightly in that. To the contrary, I had a meeting a few years ago with a gentleman with a very prominent last name that you would probably recognize if I told you that the names have been changed to protect the guilty. Because I asked this gentleman, how did you know that you were called to do this? You know what he said? I'll give you the gist of it. I have talent. I have talent. I can do this. And, uh, other people recognized that I could do it. He didn't say I've got talent, you know, like, but he was just like, you know, I, I have these abilities and these, it's like, he didn't do like Liam Neeson. I have a very special set of skills that makes me a nightmare for people like you. <laughs> no, he's just like, I, I can, I can do these things and, and people, people seem to enjoy it. I can do it. I've been gifted. If I could go back, I would say, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. That is not the reason that someone does this. And we see that answer right in 1 Timothy chapter 3. If anyone who desires to be an overseer, he desires a noble task. And what does he spend the rest of 1 Timothy doing? He must be this. Instead of he must be able to do this. See the difference? Not his talent. He doesn't spend the time unpacking the talent. 
he unpacks the character. I don't care what you can do. I don't, tell, I don't care how many butts you can put in the seat, how you, how you can make them stand to their feet. 1 Timothy 3 talks about the character of those called to be an elder, not their talent. So if I could go back to that guy, I would tell him, there's a chance, there's a pretty good chance you're not called to do this and maybe try stand-up comedy or life coaching. That seems pretty secular. Maybe do that. Paul tells Timothy, though, that if you desire it, it's a noble task, but that desire alone does not make one qualified. What makes one qualified to be an elder? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit has made. The Holy Spirit makes overseers. The Holy Spirit does it. So the question for several of us among us, has the Holy Spirit made you this? And if he has made you this, are you caring for the church of God? If he has made you, called you to be an elder or a pastor, are you caring for the church of God? It's a hard job. Sometimes the sheep bite. Sometimes, most times, lives of people are messy, and most of the time, they don't want you messing with their messy. That's just how it is. But you notice what he says there, that the job, if he's major overseers, you care for the church of God. That is the job that we have been given. So you need someone to do this for you. You need someone caring for your life. And when they care, what does it make them do? What well, makes them want to get involved? Makes them want to intervene when, when necessary. Makes them want to help. That's what it is. Ultimately, we realize that an issue is that when you look at this, sometimes there's shepherds over sheep, and sometimes the sheep are actually wolves. That's a problem. We'll get into that here in just a second, but ultimately Jesus is the good shepherd and God in the flesh purchased the people of God at the expense of his own life. And the church belongs to him. You see that this is a job given to a man to care for something that belongs to God? If God has called you to preach, do not stoop to be a king. If God has called you to elder, to, to be an overseer, do not stoop to run for the office of president of the United States of America. Do not stoop. Do not compromise. Because the church belongs to God. So here we are, all in the church. God is the one that owns us, and he's put shepherds over us 
we should obey them, not make it hard on them, because we know ultimately that God is judging them and us at the same time. Pray for those that are already elders here and, and the, the, the ones that the Lord will bring and um, into the shepherding ministries and the additional elders in days ahead. Pray for them because there's a lot, to, lot at stake. The church belongs to God. And the call to be that comes from him. Now, we think about what's at stake in the shepherding that you need. Why, why should you not be like the husband who goes, I don't need your help. You do. You do. You're blind to your own need. Because there's so much at stake, including those that come in and treat the church wrongly. You know, it hasn't been that long ago I found one of my journals uh, from about 15, let's say 20 years ago. And right there on the inside cover of this journal that I fi found, I opened it up and I was like, this, this could be painful. I opened it up and, it's, and there's just a quote and it was like, God will meet you at your expectancy level. And I was like, ah, uh, no, that's not really, that's not right. Like, I expect you to do this. He's not your son, you know, like. Okay, so that's, that's wrong. And then I kept reading, and I was like, oh, that, this is embarrassing. And, and the more pages I flipped, the worse it got. And it was just basically, I just walked into a den of false teachers. I felt not only embarrassment, but praise to the Lord that he brought me out of that. And, and in that, I saw nothing but health and wealth quotes from false teachers in the page of a journal of, of a false gospel that our country, our country is, pervade, uh, is, per, is pervasive in. And, and years ago, if you'd have known, if you'd have known me back then, uh, one pastor described himself as a young Christian. He said, I, I would say that my name, uh, you could, uh, my CB handle would be uh, ignorance on fire. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. That was me, right? As, as, a, as a young Christian, what was, what was I? Ignorance on fire. And you're like, I still see those things in you. Well, thank you so much. You're so sweet. Ignorance on fire. That was me. But I used to follow all of these false teachers that I, I'm ashamed now to see. But I am thankful that the Lord has delivered me from that and turned me around from going off the cliff at the end of the road into apostasy that I was headed for. If I drank all of this, lock, stock, and barrel. And now as a pastor, I have the same responsibility to intervene in, those li in the lives of other people. Verse 28, Paul's commands for pastors to shepherd, shepherd the flock that the Holy Spirit made them to, and took care, uh, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So it, let's slow down with that. In light of God's ownership, it's the church of God, and investment in, which he purchased with his own blood, the elders should take care of the flock. He showed them they were to preach the whole counsel of God. So feeding them the word, verse 29, we see the protection against God's enemies. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
So what Paul's doing is making a comparison between the sheep that are Christians and the wolves who are the enemies of them. So that's what's at stake here. So you need shepherding and you need to be aware of false teachers. You need to be aware of false teachers. So on one hand, you need shepherding. You need someone speaking, called by God, speaking with the authority of God into your life, encouraging you. Yeah, you're right. Correcting you. You're wrong. And here's where I see that in the scriptures. And then you need to be aware that not everybody who claims to do that is actually called of God and actually wants your best interest. Don't be naive enough to think that everyone who greases their hair and carries a Bible is made by the Holy Spirit to be an elder and desiring your best interest. This is how Paul describes it. Some coming, not belonging to the flock that are actually against the flock. He doesn't just say wolves, but fierce wolves. He calls them to, he compares them to a large predatory animal. And the adds that they'll be fierce, violent, or vicious. And false teachers, if you look at verse 29, are enemies of Christians from without. And you see that there in verse 29, they will come in among you, in among you. You see the two locations here. First one is they, they come from without. So just like the sheep are to follow the shepherd as he leads, he provides, he protects, the wolf desires the harm of the sheep because the wolf doesn't actually, as somebody who knows how life works, right, and dryers work, uh, wolves actually don't benefit from happy, healthy sheep. Wolves only benefit from dead sheep. Dead sheep. Verse 29, Paul says he knows without a shadow of a doubt that they'll come in. And at the end of the verse, they will not spare you. They will not spare you. They will consume you. They'll attack the church from the outside. They will. But they will be much easier to understand and, and to see than the second group. Verse 30. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them in verse 30. So you see that. So false teachers are enemies of Christians from without. And these are organizations and people who are against God and his gospel and they attack the church and they criticize the church. And then, to make it worse, there's going to be people that show up from within the church who are actually against the church. It was probably a, a Spurgeon quote that said the most dangerous man is the one who is within the walls of the church, but not within its heart. That's what this is here in verse 30. There are people who are already part of flocks, or this flock or flocks in the church in general, 
who label themselves a Christian and go through motions that are Christian-like, but actually don't want the best interest of the church. Did you know those, those exist? Did you know they're there? And if you knew they're there, then you would know that is one reason why you need shepherds. That's why you need shepherds. Not just because sheep exist, but because wolves do. Because wolves do. Now, it's not hard to watch the news or to listen to people talk who are completely against the church, enemies of Christians from without. That's not hard to figure out. The second one is the worst. The worst. Enemies of Christians from within. Enemies of Christians within. This isn't just a false teacher who is um, on TBN with a wife with pink hair. No, no, no. This is someone from within the congregation. And we may know and love them and our kids may go to school with them, with their kids. The most humbling part to, of this is that it could be us. It's talking about people that are within the church, and here we all are. Here we all are within. So what, in what ways do the wolves do damage? Well, with their words. The last half of verse 30 says, with their words, they will draw the disciples after them. So they, 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 they come within the church, they infiltrate, and they desire to separate. So they infiltrate and then separate. That's what's happening in this verse. They infiltrate the church, and then they separate the Christians after them. So they will arise, gain prominence, gain power, influence, and separate. They will split churches. They will divide churches. They will divide and conquer because that's how it works. Be careful of that. Heard a story years ago that I've never forgotten that there is a there was a pastor and they he was concerned with some unsavory business that was across the road from his church that they were building this organization across from his church. And their protests and conversations uh, finally led to a court case of this opposing business to the church. And the business tried to do everything he could to, to discredit the pastor, the owner of the business. The businessman's lawyer uh, questioned the pastor and he said, are you a pastor? And he said, yes, yes, sir, I am. And then the lawyer continued, does, does the pastor, the name for pastor mean shepherd? Is that what that means? And the minister replied, why, why yes, yes, that's, that's, that's what it means. And the lawyer said, if you're a shepherd, then why aren't you out taking care of your sheep? To which the pastor replied, I am caring for the sheep. Some days you feed sheep, other days you fight wolves. Some days you feed sheep, other days you fight wolves. That's what Paul's commanding here in verse 31. Because of that, Paul gives the command to be alert. Be alert. The original gives us the sense that this is a command to be constantly followed. Be 
constantly alert. Therefore be alert, remembering for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. So when these pastors are alert and sober-minded, Paul tells them to call to their mind that he's constantly warned them, even to the point of tears. And now they're not only to teach the truth, but warn others from falsehoods. So Paul says something similar to Titus. He said of the, of the elders, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Right? So not just teaching, but rebuking. Everyone loves a good rebuke, don't they? Everyone loves a good rebuke. Like you, you're like, I've been complimented enough. I have met my quota. You know what I prefer rather than compliments? I'd rather have a good rebuke. Said no one ever. No one ever, never ever said that. But yet, that's what the needs to be done to us from the shepherding ministries. Because otherwise... We would just hear what we want to hear and receive what we want to get and be who we want to be. And that just might mean that we're a wolf. That's what that might mean. Because that's what, that's what it sounds like to be a wolf. As a church, when false doctrine is opposed, we should praise the Lord that he gave us grace, not to let us be drugged into a ditch and killed by wolves. As a Christian, whether or not you realize it, you need shepherding. And you need to be aware of false teachers. You need to be able to discern those that teach sound doctrine, that believe sound doctrine, and those that need rebuking because they contradict it. You, you need these things. Now, the truth is, is that I am just the interim pastor here at Farmdale Baptist Church. Because Farmdale Baptist Church has a pastor. He has a, she has a shepherd. He is the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. So, and the, he is the one who is a shepherd. And he said this, he said, I lay my life down for the sheep. That is the shepherd I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief and senior of seniors, king of kings, pastor of Pastors, shepherd of shepherds, the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And he has laid his life down for his sheep. And he did that because God is holy and righteous and just and perfect in all of his ways and, and right in all of his deeds. He, all, he is right. He is good. And he does good. And we, my friends, are a far cry from that. We do what we want to do. The Bible calls that sin. Well, God became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus. And he lived the perfect life that God required of us. And he died on the cross, laying his life down for his sheep. And whoever 
hears the voice of the shepherd calling out, repent and believe. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Calling out that only he can provide what we need. He tells us to turn from banking and running our lives like we want to and, and trust solely in him and to follow him, to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Why would we follow him? Because we're like sheep and he is our shepherd. And he's the only one that's going to take us home safe. He's the only one that wants our best interest. He's the only one that says and does right. He's the only one fit to follow in this world. So you need shepherding, but don't just follow a man. Don't just follow some man and give your life for what he says. No, no, no. Follow the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, because he died on the cross for your sin and he rose on the third day. And every shepherd and interim pastor that you ever have, that man will go in the ground and the message will go on and Jesus will still be alive when it's all said and done. No matter who dies and who's frail and, and born in flesh and bone, no, the glorified Christ reigns and rules forever and he will always be alive and he will never let you down like the rest of these people, like the rest of these bums. He is not a man that he should lie like us nor a son of man that he should change his mind. He doesn't change like the shadows. No, he is the only sure one. He is our own sure and steady anchor. But he's put you in a church body. He's given you shepherds. You need shepherding. You need to be aware of false teachers. Because it's dangerous just to be plugged in and not connected. So today, if you're not a Christian, that's the connection that I want for you. I don't want you just connected to shepherding. I want you connected to the Lord Jesus. That's the connection. Not just to plug into a place and a time. You can do that with your TV remote anytime you want. No, no. To plug in to connect to the Lord Jesus. And if you are not a Christian, that's what I want for you. If you are a Christian, let's look at these scriptures and see how that we ourselves need shepherding. And several within the sound of my voice, actually participate in these shepherding ministries, whether be, be it uh, have been called to elders or participate in deaconing. Pray for those, pray for them. Pray for your own reception of those things. And those of you that are in that and believe that the Holy Spirit has made you that. Be con connected back to the Holy Spirit's call to care for the church of God. Why? Because he purchased it with his own blood and it's a really big responsibility that you've been given. If he has called you to do that, throw your life away into that. Give it all you got. Or stoop to be a king. 
but I wouldn't recommend it. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would do work in our hearts, that you would shepherd our souls uh, by this passage in ways that we need. I pray that you would open our eyes to our own needs for these things. The enemy of this passage is our self-sufficiency. So I pray that you would combat it with your spirit. Thank you that you've purchased us with your own blood. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.